right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Sam. We're here for another session of Launch AMA, and I'm joined by Shafin Diamond Tajani. Welcome, Chef. Welcome, brother. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. I mean, like, you're a busy guy. I think I booked you like two months in advance. It's only every time I've actually had to get organized. <laughs> No, I'm well. I'm ex I'm excited, man. We've had this on the calendar, and uh, you know, I'm surprised we haven't we haven't done an AMA yet. So. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like a no brainer the time when when I hit you guys up. Um, so just kind of house rules before before we kind of start get rolling and stuff like that. Um, if you're listening live, um, feel free to use the Q and A feature. Just punch in any question. I'm going to keep an eyeball on that, so I'll be asking. Like, this is your opportunity to talk to Shaf about really anything you want. Like. Like we just spent the 15 minutes pre-show just talking about basketball. I mean, if that's how you want to use the hour, go for it. Um, but, um, you know, you have a wealth of experience and I want to quickly dive into that as well. Um, so, so, I mean, just to get us started, I want to, I want to list a couple of your titles, right? So, so in the past, you've been named a couple of things. You've been named EY's technology entrepreneur of the year. You've been named Canadian angel investor of the year. You've been named Thai person of the year, probably have questions about how you become the best person of the year. Um, but I want to start with probably the first title title you probably gave yourself professionally. Um, it was called CEO of iFlirts. Um, now that I said it out loud, I kind of get the name. Um, how did you get started as a founder? You, you forgot best dad, man. I got, I got, a, I got a mug to prove it. Um, no, so it's validation. You know, validation. No, you know, the, I, I, I grew up, uh, in like a, an entrepreneurial family, like uh, all my my uncles, my dad's brothers were all uh, entrepreneurs, and I spent so much time uh, seeing them kind of run their own uh, run, run their own businesses. But before iFlirts, um, we actually had a company in high school called Twilight Entertainment, where we were hosting um, all age dances uh, in Vancouver. So that 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 first title was 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 for Twilight Entertainment in high school. But iFlirts was was interesting, man. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, grew up here in Vancouver, went to Western uh, in London, Ontario, uh, went there on a scholarship, um, had a bit too much fun in my first year. Uh, scholarship was, 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 was dwindling and I didn't want to go home for year two. So there was a class we had called Biz O2O, where the purpose of the class was to um, come up with a business idea and write a business plan. And at the time, um, this was 95, 96, um, personalized computers were out. The internet was, you know, we had dial-up at the time. The internet was 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 becoming a thing. Like we just got an email uh, on campus, and I think you know I've always been one of those kids that was, you know, curious with um, with technology and innovation. And I saw the internet as a, a way that people can kind of connect with one another. And so the business project I I did at the time was uh, to develop an online dating site. And it was interesting because in London, Ontario. Um, there was a London Free Press, and, and I think this was the case everywhere, but um, the way people connected other than like meeting people in person was uh, the back of a newspaper would have this massive classified section, and it just had like, you know, little clips of, of people, and then you would call into this, you know, 1-900 number, um, and then you you'd type in the box of the person you wanted to connect with, you leave a voice message for them. And I think at that time, um, we, we felt that the internet was going to kind of disrupt the way uh, people connected. I also was kind of solving a pain point in my own business and that in my own life and that I didn't want to go back home and I wanted a, an idea that could can translate. And we started iFlirts. And it's funny, the name 
at that time, um, you know, the, the internet spellings were, were, were big on like, you know, tweaking the way a word was spelled using, you know, small caps and, 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 and big caps. And I think, you know, we ended with a Z and there was a, you know, a U in the middle and, and everything at that time was like, I this or E this it was the beginning of everything like I pets or E pets. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we started uh, iFlirts and we were super surprised it took off. Uh, within the first 18 months, I mean, so we ran this out of our dorm room. Uh, and within the first 18, 18 months, I think we were, you know, we just did under $2 million US in revenue. It's crazy. Um, it was crazy because, uh, you know, in our, in our, I had like, this was in the dorm room. So like we had printers running all night. Um, there, there's a, there's a, there's a physical kind of a bricks and mortar component to that business. And we had, um, you know, I think uh, someone programming the software that was in the dorm room and staff around campus kind of like, you know, doing customer service and stuff. Super, super interesting, but yeah, very fortunate to, um, you know, it's funny, I look at a lot of, a lot of good things that have happened in my life have been a, a result of something that could have been, you know, could have been viewed as bad. So, you know, not doing as well as I expected to do in school, grades dropping, scholarship, you know, uh, being taken away, which forced me to kind of, you know, become entrepreneurial and, and, and start a business and having, you know, a class at campus that was, that was around, you know, coming up with a business idea. But I think the one other part was I, I've always grown up around entrepreneurs. So I think like as a kid, seeing that, um, you know, my uncles were able to, you know, dictate their, 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 their lives and build their, 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 you know, control their own kind of destiny. And I knew that this was something that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, to and I don't know if I use the term entrepreneurship, but, or entrepreneur at the time, but it was more so just being my own boss. So hustling and finding your own paycheck, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to go too deep into iFlirts because there's a ton of other stuff that I want to talk about. Um, but how, like, why did you decide to keep going? Was it, was it like traction and like people, like you realizing like, oh crap, like people are actually like using our service or paying us. Was that immediate or was it like a grind where, you know, you were static after your first sale and then things started to kind of snowball? Uh, no, it was a grind. I mean, there, you know, just to touch on a couple of things just with iFlips though, I think one was uh, we, we got into that space because we were solving a pain point, you know, in, in something that was going on within our, uh, you know, in our life. But the, the biggest part was just seeing how technology at that time was going to change the way we uh, worked and played and communicated with one another. Um, I think there were some, some, some really key things um, at that time, which, which, um, to answer your question, like when we started iFlirts, we didn't just, you know, once we wrote out that business plan, we didn't see it as something that was short term or temporary. Um, we saw it as something as kind of a, a bridge to, you know, to this, this, this internet world, which, you know, we believe was going to continue to grow. Um, but it was, it's an interesting business because the first five, I'll say the first five months, like we were, or maybe even longer, we were going into debt um, because, you know, the, the revenue cycle didn't come till six, seven months, uh, you know, forward. And so it taught us a bunch of things on, um, so one interesting side note, a lot of people that are close to me know this, but I, I've always kind of dealt with this social anxiety where um, I would have panic attacks if I was speaking in front of, you know, in, in front of people. And I remember at that time we needed to raise capital because we, you know, we were as students, we were going into massive debt. 
uh, with with everything we're spending to get the business to a point where it could potentially cash flow. And uh, I remember having a, a, there weren't a lot of you know investment options in, in the mid '90s for for technology. Um, but I remember uh, panicking um, for an investor meeting, uh, not going, and then realizing it actually forced me to go and talk to our vendors and suppliers and team about getting payment terms. So super interesting, like that that whole process taught me a lot of key key elements or forced me to, to learn a lot of key traits that you know we've kind of used as on our business on a go forward basis. But the business didn't take off immediately. It took you know five or six months. And when it hit though, it it grew rapidly and 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 really quick. And um we'd always we'd always known that that was a stepping stone to what we wanted to to do and where we wanted to grow that. But you know it wasn't all you know all all hockey stick curve up like we we received we you know we achieved significant growth but then we weren't you know we weren't staffing up um appropriately and we had uh you know our costs you know we were making more money but our expenses were were jumping and um you know we weren't hiring you know I was hiring all my friends and it was interesting because it, we went through a lot of key learnings and I was fortunate that we could make a lot of mistakes early um to really kind of optimize our our, our business but you know, when we started, you know, after writing that business plan, like we knew that this was a stepping stone. So, you know, our, 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 we were really, you know, this, our, our why was so strong as to what we were building towards, but uh, yeah, we went through, you know, good, bad and ugly, uh, which really kind of forced us to, you know, learn almost like school of hard knocks. We learned more from, from that business experience than from what, what I was learning on campus in class. So. Yeah, I definitely want to loop back around to to your pitching experience and, and talking about how you deal with that as, as someone who, who maybe shies away from public speaking and, and now you kind of sit on the other side as well, right? But before I get into that, like, I want to talk about your, I, I wouldn't say it's a transition and maybe an evolution, because you kind of went from like, okay, you're building product, you're, you understand how to build a company now. Um, and you kind of slowly dived into the world of investing. Like, was that like a transition? Was it like something you always wanted to do? Like, how did you kind of not, I, I wouldn't say flip sides. Cause I kind of see VS is a little bit of A and B at the same time. Um, but like, how did you kind of decide like, Hey, I also want to invest in others. Cause I can't build everything in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the one thing about uh, iFlirts is we had built a really good business that was cash flowing uh, and had users. We became very good uh, at driving users. Um, and we started to buy, build, and invest in businesses that we could either port users from uh, our, our one business to another, uh, or that we're solving pain points in our existing business. So, you know, uh, it's funny, I was 18 or 19, you know, getting pitched by, this is when like the dot-com boom was happening, getting pitched by everyone with, you know, like with, with really, really crazy ideas. And the East Indian in me realized, man, like I didn't want to like be cutting blank checks and not have any sort of kind of uh, active involvement. And so we adopted what we refer to today as a venture build model. So we were buying, building and investing businesses that we either solve the pain point so we could you know, not be passive, we could get active and, and assist and complement that investment uh, to grow. Um, or that it was solving a pain point within our existing business. So we started investing into online gaming and gambling at the time, which was which was popping up, payments, online payments, which was a big pain point in our existing business. And then, you know, a lot of people, you probably got a lot of young people in your audience that they wouldn't recognize, but ringtones were a massive business in the late 90s. Um, and, you know, we got into, into that. And, and, it, and it was primarily because, you know, 
we we almost looked at tech kind of in a commoditized way uh, at some at a, at a point. And so the the real difference maker that we had was we were able to drive users and and, and optimize our customer a customer acquisition cost. So that idea of like investing um, uh, started then, and then today, you know, again, our, our it's, it's a venture build model. So we're not passive investors. We 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 realize that there are a number of areas that we we uh, we can play a really core role. Uh, and um, you know, again, building a company is the ultimate team sport. So we we try to you know we try to invest into really bright entrepreneurs uh, or founders that are thought leaders in their respective spaces. But we can play a role and complement them with kind of you know our experience, our relationships, and and potentially um, uh, potentially capital. So we're vicariously you know living through all these bright people. And, you know, there are a couple of big differences. Like when I was at that time in the mid nineties, like I didn't have mentors. I didn't, you know, tech was new. There was no one I could go to, to help. We didn't have invest outside investors. Um, and so I made a lot of mistakes and I, and I realized, you know, uh, I can work with founders and, and there's something that I can gain from, from, from working with them. But at the same time, I can add, you know, we can add value to, to helping their journey by providing mentorship, funding, relationships and, and, and such. And so it also gives, I think, the business a higher probability of, of, of success because over those, those last 20 years, we've, we've seen a lot, right? So we've been able to, to, to build a, a playbook based on, um, on actual, you know, um, actual experience. Yeah. And then, so, so to kind of get practical things, um, victory square, obviously today you, what, what's your portfolio again? I, I don't have it off the top of my head. 20, 25, 30. I can't remember yeah, so the, the, the VST uh, portfolio. So there's, there's victory square labs, which is a wholly owned private company. And then yeah. there's victory square technologies, um, which is a public company that was, we, we, we set up this, this, uh, about 2017, about four years ago. And there's 26 companies in that portfolio. Uh, and these are companies from all over the world. So Brazil, India, you know, Europe, and then, you know, the U S and, and Canada. Awesome. So, so to kind of, kind of paint the picture, what is usually the first touch point that you have with companies that I guess eventually become your portfolio companies? Like walk, maybe walk us through an example of, it could be anyone, maybe the one from Brazil, one from Vancouver, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that we start off with is uh, either uh, finding a pain point in our existing business. Um, or within one of our portfolio companies or having, you know, a client within our ecosystem that has a, a pain point or is looking for a solution. Um, and it ties to an area that we want to be in. So I'll give a kind of a real world example, which you kind of brought up earlier. So fans unite. So, you know, I, you know, our team has 20 plus years in the, in the online gambling and sports book, sports book space. So we know the space really well. Um, about five or six years ago, we saw, that um, you know, within and this was five years ago, we, we saw within five years that both Canada and the U.S. would would open up um, you know online betting in a, in a regulated environment, and so we wanted to go deeper into that space. And we also had uh, uh, a partner, Foxwoods Casino, which is the largest native band casino in the U.S., which is based out of Connecticut. Ray and I actually visited them five years ago, which was a great trip. Um, so we now know that we have a large we we see. Uh, an opportunity in a space five years out. Uh, we have a really large player and partner in that space in Foxwoods Casino. We then went out to look for companies that were were innovative in that space. Now, fans, you know, uh, the founder is from Vancouver, but we actually connected with them connected with them out of a, an accelerator in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, called Boomtown. 
So we work with about 80 accelerators around the world. So when we're looking for something and in partnership with Launch, we'll put out an RFP to all these accelerators looking for people that are specifically solving that pain point that we're looking for. So the one thing is we're not, we don't, we don't, we, we generally don't have, take a lot of inbound. We're, we're, uh, we're going outbound to, to find what we're looking for. And tech is borderless. You're seeing brilliant people from all over the world. Once we found that company, and in the case of fans, they were in Boulder, Colorado, we brought them into our office, uh, worked with them, um, and spent, you know, in fans case, about 12 to, you know, 48 months almost. Um, actually, maybe, yeah, 48 months. So we spent, you know, three, three years, three plus years working with this company um, to get their, you know, product market fit, um, you know, to get, get traction on that business. And once they were at a point where we felt that they were, they were commercializing and ready to kind of, you know, uh, hit their growth stride and timing had a big part to play with it, we spun it off as its own public company. Uh, uh, and it's now public. So fans went public in May of last year. So they came in the portfolio in like late 16, early 2017. And we work with them from 17 to uh, 2020. They went public in 2020. Um, they've been public for 16 months. And since that time, you know, they've raised just under 50 million Canadian dollars. Market cap's probably, you know, hovering around 200 plus million. They've, you know, used their stock as a currency to acquire two really strategic acquisitions. And that kind of is a, a good example. That was the first company in this batch that kind of, you know, went from A to Z. And now a number of others are, are going down that path. But for us, like, because we're active investors, we, we want to be value-add investors. We generally go out, you know, to look for uh, something very specific that we know that we can, you know, add value to. For sure. And the the funny launch angle of that story is obviously when when Victory Square um, invested in fans, they they situated them out of our offices. Um, the the random side to that, and I think this is where serendipity and community comes into play, is the um, fans eventually acquired a company called Ascot, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. And Scott, the the founder of Ascot, is now the CEO of Fans Unite today. Um, and they were previously a launch member. Um, and I don't think they were ever in the same place at the same time, but it's just kind of funny in hindsight how that works. And, and I think to, to the audience, like Vancouver is, can be very small. Um, so, so, you know, the, the relationships that you're building in this room, even now, um, later in whatever room you're in Vancouver, like those, those things matter. Um, but back to kind of, kind of, you know, you know, victory square, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just throw it out there for, for, cause I know people are going to be curious. Like, are there any certain pain points that you guys are looking at now at, at trying to solve? Yeah. So I want to actually mention one note to your point, like not only is, uh, you know, not only did, was it serendipitous that both fans and Ascot kind of collaborated and they connected with, you know, within launch and traction and, and all the events and activities that go on, but there's so many examples within our portfolio of, of teams that have formed businesses that have pivoted, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, founders that have kind of, you know, found investors that have connected with companies that have happened as a result of this community. And I, I do think that you know, I would highly st stress founders that are working, uh, you know, to, to, to find a tribe or find a community um, because there's so much key learning. And that's one of the biggest benefits we found in our ecosystem. And I just want to give one example because we have another company called Covalent. So Covalent, Ganesh, who's one of the brightest founders you'll meet, who was working uh, for another company based out of Seattle in launch. And he just happened to be situated 
by the fans guys and by BTL and, you know, and, and hearing us talk about blockchain and Bitcoin and, and, and Web3 and all these different types of things. And then we invited him to a hackathon, a hackathon for a company, uh, one of our companies in Singapore that we hosted the hackathon, Blue Zell's hackathon at launch. Ganesh went there, met his co-founder Levi, came up with his idea covalent. This was 2017, early 2018. Um, his, you know, his, you know, the, this team that runs the Alchemist program, Jackie, who again is participant in, 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 um, in traction and was 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 key at VST. Eric Ashdown, who is you know, Indie Loop, part of the launch ecosystem, is this head of ecosystem. Um, and now they've got a 1.4 billion dollar market cap. Uh, it's a, a blockchain infrastructure company. They did a token generation event. Uh, this is a company in Vancouver that's, uh, you know, like building the Google for, 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 you know, web three. Um, but again, the, the, the idea the team were formed by being kind of part of that, that ecosystem and, and community. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, and there's countless other examples, but I mean, that's an example of an idea, a team, you know, finding your team and, um, and just getting exposure to a completely different new, new arena that he could take his business to that, that, that crushed it. But sorry, you asked a question about what we're looking for. So, we're focused on, you know, kind of four areas. Uh, next generation internet, which, you know, is where we, you know, we, we with our virtual and augmented reality or gaming, our blockchain, cybersecurity kind of falls under. And we've got a really, really good grasp of, 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 of those businesses. Um, then um, uh, digital health, which is a big focus of ours. And both, you know, both those two, I think, are kind of key to, to uh, businesses that improve the quality of, the quality of life. Uh, and the third is climate. So the climate and the circular economy, those are three areas that we've spent a lot of time kind of building anchors in an all around quality of life. And the fourth is the creator economy. So, you know, we've got a portfolio company, Vancouver based company, creator.co that it's kind of our anchor into that, into that space. But if we're, if we're looking deeper, so we've got anchors in all those spaces for me in particular, web three and the creator space, which there's a, a lot of overlap are two areas that we're allocating more resources to and going deeper into. To me, um, uh, those spaces remind me a lot of 1995 and, um, and, and get me super, super excited. But again, the other three are, are places that, we're, we're, that are important for us um, that we have, we have anchors you know, kind of in. For sure. Meg Sway, if you guys are listening, you need to hit up the guys at creator.co. Um, that's a personalized shout out for you. I don't know if you're on right now, but, um, oh, there you go. Yeah. They'll, they'll yeah, hit you guys I, I love, up later. What, what's it coming up? Meg Sway? Meg Sway. If you want to give a 30 second pitch in, in text here, I'll, I'll read it out loud for you, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, no. Um, so, so, I mean, since you're on the topic of technology, right? Like we've thrown around the, the word web three a little bit. Um, yeah. I had that on my questionnaire, like, Victory Score, one of their portfolio companies back in the day, BTL, they were the first publicly traded blockchain company, period, end of story. Um, obviously, since then, a lot of the companies in, in Victory Square's portfolio have you know, implemented bits and pieces of blockchain or, or, or whatnot um, into the technology. Um, what exactly is so exciting about Web3 for you? So, you know, I think that the, it's interesting because you know, I think it's the next major iteration, you know, kind of, of, of the internet. I think it's where users take back control of, you know, of their, you know, take, take back control from the centralized, the centralized dominance of, you know, very few companies that currently dominate the, the web. It's, it's interesting because 
during the dot-com boom, you had all these upstart companies that were rethinking the customer experience, uh, reimagining how things were going to be done by using, you know, personalized computers and in, in, in the internet to disrupt the old guard. Um, you know, back in the day, like Apple's one of those, like BMOS today, but, you know, they were, if you, they had this commercial where, uh, you know, I think it, it took from, you know, 1984, where they were fighting IBM, this big blue machine and dominant force. And, and I, I see another shift happening today in that tech is borderless and greatness is coming from everywhere. You know, the internet is kind of like the global language. Like, you know, we're, we're living in a metaverse or a virtual, you know, digital, uh, a digital land that's not bound by geography like we are from a bricks and mortar and physical perspe perspective. And the global currency, you know, which we've seen is, is, is digital first and, and native to that uh, format. So for me, I think, there, there are a number of things that are exciting that are reminiscent of 95 and that companies are like, I guess I'd say two things. One, people will always want to work, play and communicate. Um, what changes is how they do that and how companies service that. So what we're seeing is this massive movement under the, you know, under, uh, underneath in, you know, this form of, of decentralization and web three. And I think that the, the big reason is, 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 Again, is for that fact that most, you know, these most used internet platforms are uh, are owned by a handful of companies that profit over off of the data that that's user generated. So I think like Web three is essentially a new way for individuals to use the internet without giving up their privacy and, and, and valuable data. And I, I think we're moving towards. So if I had to look five, 10, 20 years out, uh, you know, I think we're moving towards um, you know a more decent decentralized data networks with AI and machine learning playing an integral role. So to me, I think it's still not fully clear on what that is going to be because it's, it's, so, it's so early, but, um, but you know, for, from our perspective, um, we think that you know, the, the underlying architecture for you know, social networks and gaming and, and, and finance um, is, is, is changing, um, uh, you know, and moving towards this more kind of de decentralized uh, infrastructure. And so when I look back to 95, that was an opportunity to get, you know, to be in the water for a massive wave that was, 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 was taking place. And, and I think that that same thing is happening today. And that's, what's super exciting where, you know, in 95, 96, when it was happening, I was like 17, 18, you know, had no experience, you know, now I feel like, you know, I've, you know, as a team, we've got, experience and capital and, 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 and being able to, to now look forward, you know, five, 10, 20 years to be a part and in, in the water of, of a next, you know, big wave that's, that's happening. And really from an asymmetrical return perspective, I think that's one of those areas that gets super, super excited. For sure. For the record in 95 or 96, I downloaded my first MP3. It was the real slim shady. Took me 11 hours for four megabytes. Um, please don't sue me, M. <laughs> uh, so that's what I was doing at the same time Shaft was building companies. Um, so, so from, from that, like, how does that tie in? And I, and I think I'm picking, I'm picking a little bit, but like yeah. between the, the web three opportunity and the creator economy, how do those two things kind of tie together? Cause it sounds like they're, they're correlated and, and to slip in there. Cause I promised I would. Um, I promised to give him a shout out to Magsway. What Magsway is doing is they're a platform for creators and businesses. They help creators grow their niche by identifying them closer to the right followers, identify the right brands for collaborations. Um, 
and and obviously help brands and businesses get closer to their customers by using using um, their programming it programmatic influencer ed engine um so so that kind of sounds right up your alley um yeah for sure so so but between what we are talking about uh with the creator economy and web3 like how how does that how does that play a role because i think i think influencers are obviously uh, sorry the pun but like they're very influential in our lives these days especially our buying decisions and things like that how does how does that tie into to what's going on with 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 what we just talked about um so a, a couple of things one i mean when you look at web 1.0 um, web 1.0 was basically uh static information so people magazine sets up people.com and just puts the information uh you know online and it's kind of a one-way connection web 2.0 is when you saw social networks pop up and and they were you know they allowed people to um, you know, find their tribe or, or you know, connect, share uh, information, post pictures. And this, this idea of, of, of these decentralized networks, I really have built around uh, community. So you, know, you talk about, you know, what we're seeing in a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of things that are happening right now is the web, uh, you know, democratized access to information and connected people globally. And by connecting, by you know, with those two things, people were able to find their community and find their tribes uh, online if it was hard for them to find it within their school or within their geographic location. And so, um, you know, where that ties in is we're now seeing communities that are you know being built up um, that are built up around people that are are like-minded. Um, so you know, that, that, you know, if you, as a creator, if you can find a, you know, a, a thousand loyal followers, it's sometimes more valuable than a, a million people, and you can build an ecosystem and community around that. So you start with building your community, then you engage that community through different types of that, you know, activities or rewards. And I think that ties into kind of a bit of, of, of gamification. So when, when I use the word creator, it's, it's, it's maybe more the term that's better used is community. Now we, we see that, you know, communities are, a big part of both from a B2C or B2B place, B2B side of things are integral uh, in, in building your, your business and your, and your brand. And I think this is also tied towards, um, you know, the, some of the, the core values for this, this, this Gen Z, um, uh, you know, Gen Z audience. And just again, taking back to 95, like, you know, at that point I was young and, and, you know, we were that generation, my generation, were looking at how we could use personalized computers and internet to reinvent and, and rethink think the way things were, were happening. Now, I wasn't a digital first, I didn't you know, get my first computer until I was university uh, and, and, and all of that, but this audience is now digital first. And so the way they think, the way they're looking at things, the way they're solving problems is completely different um, and just the tools they have access to. So where I see that interlay between web three and decentralization is as you, as you now are, are, are um, you know, building, uh, having access to information globally and connecting with people globally to be part of your community, um, that, that, that engagement component uh, happens with, with having, you know, uh, like you said, that influence or that creator that can, can, can rally that community around a specific cause or, or thought. So that's where I see the, the, the you know, the, 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 the connection. And again, you can build great things, but if you can't bring an audience around it, and it's hard to commercialize and, and build a, you know, build a, a sustainable business out of it. And just one side note, if you look at just the growth, like if you look at the growth of Reddit and you look at the growth of subreddits, it's a, it's a, it's a 
prime example to how so many so there's been so much monetization and 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 uh, that that's that's transpired maybe on or off thread based on people finding you know uh, their their tribe which is led by a creator or a community member or a community leader that's that's kind of you know connected people so yep and and the subreddits are powerful enough to take on public markets now so absolutely I mean and again like what well, I mean. Wall Street bets is one example, but there's so many uh, subreddits that, that are having significant uh, impacts. And we've seen so many interesting business ideas that are building tools uh, for specific subreddit communities to, because again, you can, you, you get a community together and rally them around a specific idea, but then you need to keep them in, engaged. You need to, you know, create some sort of gamification to, to reward people. And I think this is where the, the you know, the, 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 the web three component comes into play because you you rally a community around a subject matter or thought. Then you need to engage that community, gamify that community, or reward that community to keep uh, going. And so, in a lot of these Web three projects, um, they they grow because people are getting rewarded for activity. They're getting rewarded for uh, you know for, for for doing things. And I think that's a big premise with with with, with Web three is that instead of like you know looking at Facebook as an example, you've got this centralized company that's again built a great tool for people to to use it provides tremendous value but you've got all these you know millions and maybe not billions of people around the world that are that are engaging with that platform pushing up pictures making comments they don't own any of their own data but that one central authority uh, dictates what you can put on what you can't put on uh, arbitrarily uh, and controls the monetization strategy and keeps the majority of the money in a decentralized fashion, um, that you know the 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 the, the company or or you know whether or, or unless it's a DAO that, that builds the 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 initial tool um, might maybe maintains twenty percent ownership uh, you know of that of that ecosystem gets built, but the rest of the ecosystem is being rewarded. All the people that are engaging with that platform are being rewarded for their participation. Which again, like if you know if you're if you're making money off of it's a different thing to, to give your data up and not get anything in return. But if you're, you know, being, if you're able to monetize the, the use of that data, I think it's a much more, uh, you know, compelling factor. And we've seen that, you know, I think uh, being, being piloted in a variety of different ways. So, I mean, the one thing about 90 going, looking back is that the, what people are throwing against the wall may not stick, um, may lead to something that does stick, but there's just amazing things on how people are reimagining how this 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 movement is going to uh, is going to take place and, and grow. And so, the one thing about going to that space is, uh, it's still a discovery. Um, just like in '95, a lot of the ideas that came out there didn't you know they ended up going to zero during the dot com crash. Um, but through that tinkering, you know, we saw what ideas kind of took took took, uh, took flight. And I think that's what's happening right now, where people are trying a variety of different things. Um, but again, it's it it all revolves around being able to build a community first. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's fascinating because finally the community is the focus first, even sometimes before the product. Um, but uh, I want, I want to get really practical with this. Cause I, I know there's definitely, I, I see a couple companies here are that are deep in the space. Like, like Prakash, I see you with, with Defang and, and the stuff that you're trying to do there. Um, but there's also a ton of companies. It, it's really weird. Cause I'm going to use the word traditional startup, which, 
makes no sense. Um, but but they're in SaaS, they're in fintech, they're in they're in um, maybe digital health or something like that. What is like a healthy way to pay attention and and stay glued to this space? Like like how 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 involved should they get? Should everybody be building an NFT or, or building their own tokens for their company or? Or like what? What's like a good way to to learn about the space so they don't get left behind when the Web three version of whatever SaaS they're building just randomly shows up? Um, but at the same time, obviously they have customers to serve and businesses to build, right? Um, you know that, that's a I hate giving advice because I feel like it's so subjective because there's mm-hmm. probably people here uh, from all you know all walks of life, you know, different points in their life working on different types of things. So I don't I don't know if there's a a one you know size fits all but i'll kind of share my own experience i mean i think for me when i look back over the last 20 years i think one of the the biggest key advantages has been um you know just continued learning right just being aware of what's happening around me so you know obviously i have a i have a a big focus on what we're doing but anything that potentially could have could impact it like any variables that can impact it um you know i, I try to you know, get knowledge dumps around that. And that knowledge dump might come from uh, following certain people online that I think are thought leaders in that space, which I can get snippets. For me, podcasts have been amazing because it allows me to get, you know, to just find a specific subject matter and, you know, do a deep dive in, in, an, in an hour or two and then find someone I can follow to keep me up to speed. But I think, yeah, for me, like, uh, you know, obviously you have to have your your, your core focus and and, but, you have to allocate um, time, I think, uh, to learn about, you know, to continue learning, um, and not only about other businesses within your sector, which could be helpful for, you know, for, for, for you know, t- adding to your own, to what you're doing, but also any other space that can have exposure. And the one thing with technology right now is like, whether it's Web3, AI, machine learning, um, there, there's there's so many uh, sectors that I think are going to impact you if you're working in the in the technology space. So I think it's I think it's just prudent to um, you know if you're in the space to uh, you know connect with others and just keep you know whether it's through podcasts or people you're following on Twitter um, you know to, to continue learning and that 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 learning process should never uh, never get stale because um, especially if you're in the technology innovation space things happen and grow so rapidly that you really need to, you know, to be, you know, allocating time for, you know, for that. For sure. Like I, I personally always recommend what I call a, it's an arbitrary number, but a 70, 30 rule where 70% of the time you're focused on, on doing your shit, building, scaling your company focused and, and, and not distracted, but 30% of the time you're out there just going to sessions, learning about stuff that frankly, you might not have any business being in it right because because that's where to me the the creativity and innovation goes is is when you're listening to stuff that you don't usually listen to or 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 you know hearing from people that you don't that is not part of your tribe right like that's the only way to grow um so so that's my my personal rule of thumb the, i do well, one yep i was gonna Go say ahead. just one note too that one one problem that i sometimes have is uh you know, it, you know when you're reading tech crunch or or, or van tech journal or tech vancouver or tech Hoover, or beta kit or any of these sites, you sometimes, you know, the, I feel like there's so much information out there that you can sometimes get confused and distracted. Um, so I always find like the, it, it, you know, it's important to take information in and be able to synthesize what's important for you and your business. 
but to not get confused or uh, or distracted, um, you know, by those. And I find myself sometimes because we get pitched so many different things, and sometimes it's like squirrel, squirrel, like you know, like there's there's really exciting exciting things, but you know, then what ends up happening is you you spread yourself, you know, too thin, or you you go off, you know, too 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 off of a of a tangent. So I, I think it's important to continue learning and but really be able to synthesize from all of that what's important for your business and not to get caught out in the no in the noise because you know there's there's going to be a, a number of areas where people can 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 do well and I think how you measure success is another thing too I think one thing when I was you know again I you know I feel like that you know back in my day but you know like that <laughs> Al Bundy I scored four touchdowns when I was in high school um but uh the, the big thing is like there's no one size fits all you don't you don't have to build a, a billion dollar, trillion dollar company. You don't have to solve, you know, uh, a cure to cancer. And I'm not saying don't do that. Some people need to do that. And that's amazing. But there's, there's different, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, for me now, there's a different set of criteria that's important. So when I'm, you know, whatever I'm working on, I think it has to take into account a number of other factors, uh, you know, that are, that are uh, important just from a lifestyle uh, perspective or you know really having a strong why so if you're working in you know in the digital health space um you know maybe uh, nfts might not necessarily be applicable right now for, for 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 what you're specifically doing but there's other things around dna sequencing and crispr therapeutics that are more important that you know innovations and breakthroughs around your specific subject matter that are that are that are more core uh you know to what you're doing yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Uh, we do have a question from, from Akash. He, he's the founder of DFang. It's a web 3.0 platform company. Um, a lot of activity right now, he's saying, is, is on the consumer side of, of web 3.0. What are your thoughts on the enterprise side of web 3.0? Um, I, I think the enterprise side is more, uh, you know, is, is super exciting because, uh, you know, we, we've seen, we've seen a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of the PR and buzz is around the B2C side uh, space because um, I think that's where a lot of the noise is, is happening. We have seen some really, really strategic uh, companies apply, you know, working on the B2B side. Even when you mentioned BTL, like, you know, the, which was the first publicly traded blockchain company, which we, we, we were part of in 2015, it was a B2B product. And, uh, um, you know, I think British Petroleum was the, the client there and, and that one client really kind of you know, propelled the growth of that specific business. So I think um, if you're working on, the, on, a, on a B2B solution or you've identified a use case around that, I think that's super exciting. And I would push that because, um, you know, uh, getting capital on the, the B2B side from sophisticated investors that have already made their bets on the traditional uh, application of what you're disrupting uh, are doubling down. So we're seeing that there's a lot of funding going into uh, B2B solutions by companies that have already funded like the web 2.0 version, which again, want to have exposure to something that could be, you know, disruptive to their investments. And so there is a big appetite if, if that's something you're doing. Um, we had a, uh, there's a founder that we, we met with and again, brilliant founder. This was 2017. And I, I, I give him kudos for this. When everyone was building B2C, he built a, it was a, a blockchain product in the ed tech space. He, they doubled down on B2B and ended up getting, you know, really good clients and having an exit um, because they built a B2B business that was applicable, solving a pain point and was, they generated cash flow from that business. And so, you know, with that, they were able to, you know, convert that into a, into a, into a large exit. So 
Um, sorry, long-winded answer to that question, but I think, again, if you can come up with a B2B solution, I think there's huge opportunities uh, in that space. We've seen a lot of B2C stuff and a lot of the B2C, a lot of the B2C stuff is nonsense. Like, cause the other thing too, is if you're building something and we saw this in the ICO craze in 2017, is, and I again in 95, like just dot com anything, right? And this is what a lot of people are doing right now where they're building solutions which really don't solve a pain point or, or really aren't any better than what the, you know, how the traditional experience currently is. And so a lot of times when you're building B2B, you're building a, for a pain point for a large enterprise, which means that you're saving the money or, uh, or you know, from a, uh, a privacy perspective or a security perspective, you know, really, really giving them a leg up. And, and, and it's something where that, that customer will pay for. So I think that's super, super exciting. Amazing. So as we kind of start to, to wind down a little bit, I want to, I want to draw back to, to fundraising because, because again, like, because your, your perspective is so unique, you you've pitched a bunch, you've also been pitched to a bunch. Um, and, and also you shared a little bit personally, about like how pitching doesn't, doesn't come naturally to you. Right. So, so for founders, like, what are you seeing, especially in the people that you're pitching to that, that, you know, you feel this could be easily avoided or if they had X metric or like what, what's missing right now in, in, in the companies that are pitching you today? Um, so again, just dating back to my, my experience, like I think the, the, uh, a lot of what we look at now is kind of solving pain points that we kind of went through. So at the time, you know, one, uh, you know, I had a hard time presenting uh, in front of others. And, and I think that's a common, you know, a common thing. And I think today with, with Zoom or, or LinkedIn or, or all these tools or AngelList syndicates, they're all different types of tools that people uh, have to uh, to to present to entrepreneurs and to connect with entrepreneurs. So the first thing I think, you know, we find I find is that a lot of entrepreneurs haven't really done the DD to um, a identify all the different channels that they can c- connect with investors and present to and pitch to. Um, more importantly, finding the right investors. I find uh, that. Uh, you know, in, investors, or sorry, uh, companies will um, uh, A, not know about all the different channels, B, they're not going to the right investors for their specific business and, and area. And I think there's a lot of tools that allow you to find, you know, who's invested in certain sectors and spaces so that you can find an investor that, can, you know, that, that, that will maybe get your story or, or, or really understand what you're trying to, 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 to find. Um, the other, the other, uh, the other thing I see a lot of times is persistence because, you know, the the, one, the shitty thing about the fundraising game is you might need to make, you know, you might need to go to ninety nine no's before you get that one yes, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to be in a business where people are cutting cutting down what you're building or criticizing what you're building or saying no. But you really have to have a strong conviction why and that persistence to to you know to to to, to keep go- keep going. I also find one thing which is that a lot of companies will change their story and narrative and pitch based on what some investors that they present to give, give them as advice. And, and I, I think that they, the companies need to be really careful uh, because, you know, including myself, like I, I, had, I need to make sure that sometimes I'm not giving advice because my advice might be the wrong advice for a specific founder. And I would never want them to shift their focus based on w- w- what I'm saying. And, and I find a lot of founders when they're fundraising just to get the check will kind of, you know, cater tweak to what it. the investors, yeah, tweak it. And, and I think that in the long run, that can, that, that can be, be, be harmful uh, uh, to it. But from my own personal experience, like one of the things I like to, to, you know, to look at and, you know, with, with, 
the investments we make. <clears throat> you know, there are a couple of things. One, I, you know, I, I love if the founder um, or founders have, you know, gotten 50 of their closest friends and family to invest, even if it's as little as 500 bucks or $250, because that lets me know that they're accountable, you know, to, to people that are, are, are around them um, and that they really believe in what they're doing and that they've gone to, to that, that core network. And that's something that's important to me. Um, and we, we generally ask that question. The other is, you know, when someone's, someone's presenting, like, I, I want to know that, because I, I know that the product might go through multiple iterations be before it's successful. And a lot of times we're betting on the jockey, the, you know, the, the entrepreneurship, um, you know, story is that it's, you know, it's this glamorous hockey stick curve, but it's more of a roller coaster. And so it's really important that, you know, for me, that this founder has a strong conviction or why and what they're trying to, 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 to accomplish, or that they're a thought leader in that space. So I think a lot of founders don't take enough time to, um, you know, to start building a, a digital footprint that, that push it and, and where they're pushing out content uh, to make them a subject matter expert. So these are things that I think that we look at that are, that are, that are, that are important because when they pitch us, if, they're, if we know and we look them up and they're, they're writing about what they're pitching and they're thought in that space, um, that shows me that, they're, you know, that their conviction is strong. And a lot of times when you're building something, it's really that thought leadership and pushing up content allows you to break from the clutter because things have become very commoditized. You really need to find like, you know, things that will allow you to differentiate or break from, the, break from that. But I also find, again, uh, if, you're, if you're a company, use the channels and tools to, you know, to find the right type of investors for you. When you reach out to them, do some DD on those investors because you know, I, I find when I get a customized message on LinkedIn or a customized email where someone has is, is, you know, read something that I've pushed out or, 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 or is referencing an investment we've made, that to me shows that this person's not just like spraying and praying, that they made a thoughtful attempt. Uh, and so generally those are the types of people that the ones that will go the extra step, I think are, 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 are uh, important when there's, and, there, and there's depth to their, communi you know, their, their communication um, and yeah, and being persistent. So, you know, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the pain points I see around, A, not being aware of all the channels that you can, you can use to reach investors. Uh, and those channels help you find the right investors doing research on those investors before you reach out to them, because I think that depth and that thoughtfulness uh, will, will definitely at least get a, a call back. Um, don't change your story or your, your pitch and, and, and you know, uh, based on what investors are necessarily saying, like be very, you know, listen to what they're saying, be very strong in your conviction. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the other thing too is, yeah, you know, really spend some time building a, a digital footprint to identify yourself as a, a thought leader in your specific space. Cause I think it'll, you know, the first thing, once you pitch, the first thing investors will do will Google your name or your company. And if they don't see any sort of digital footprint around that subject matter, um, and you can start from any, at any point in time, like, you know, and, and build it up. I think it's, it's sometimes, you know, it could be a red flag. If, if, if you, if someone pitches me a web three or, you know, or someone's, you know, building a, a specific project, and, I, and I, I, I look them up and I can see that they've you know, written a research report or they've, you know, they've pushed out content around that um, article. It makes me feel more comfortable at least to take that call to, to, you know, to, to use that person kind of as a reference point for that, our investments in those sectors. So oh, that makes a ton of sense. And, and I'll kind of end with this. So, so I know Victory Square has invested in, in a bunch of, of non-Canadian companies as well. Um, yeah. How, how does what you kind of described, because 
because because I think it's really interesting talking about digital footprint and stuff. How does that kind of process change? Because like, if, if I pick on the Brazilian company you pick on, for example, their content might have been in Portuguese or, or whatever, right? Um, and and I think what what our audience might be interested in is they they may be they may be well known in their town that's you know. 200,000 deep in, I don't know, pick a country, right? Ver, but, you know, where we're sitting, we, we don't know them from Adam, right? So, so how, does, how does someone try and build like a global digital footprint? Um, well, I, mean, I think the, the, the one thing is if, if the, the one, uh, I think it's awesome if they built, you know, thought leadership within their own community and within their own kind of native language. But I think the key point you made there is global. I think the, the, the one thing is, in, in, in trying to be global, you're, you're going to have to, you know, uh, uh, translate your, your content into different languages, um, you know, that, that will allow you to reach a, you know, kind of a, a global audience, especially if you're solving a global kind of, let's say, a, a pain point that can be translated into other, other markets. So, uh, you know, the, the first thing I would say is, again, whatever content you're pushing out, if you, if you want to take that content global, you, you by nature have to translate it into other types of um, you know, other types of, uh, you know, languages. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So we're right up against 11 o'clock. Um, so, so appreciate your time. Um, I want to kind of end off with this. There, there's going to be a couple of people listening and, and I think your advice, especially the end doesn't necessarily just apply to founders. I feel that I can relate to that as someone who might in theory would be looking for a job as well. Like I, yeah. I feel like it's the exact same thing, right? Like you got to do your research on the company. You got to show that, that you've, you've put in the effort that you're, you know, that obviously you're bringing something to the role, but hopefully the role also brings something to you. Um, I think that applies in the investor in the investor um, founder relationship as well. Um, but for, for, for companies, individuals who, who want to connect with victory square, connect with you, what, what would you recommend them as the best way to do so? Um, yes. Yeah, so we, you know, again, they can, uh, they can email us. I think go to our website, victorysquare.com, uh, find us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter. I think it's at Shafin Diamond um, or email Abby. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, one thing I would say is we're always, you know, anyone that's, 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 uh, that's on this call, if, if anyone wants to go deeper into any, anything we kind of talked about or, um, and, and we're, you know, any, the companies you mentioned around, um, uh, the DeFi space and on the creator space, these are spaces like definitely reach out to us because these are spaces that we're you know actively uh, in. But yeah, let's ch check us on. We're on all the social channels um, or email us directly and um, yeah, and hit us up. For sure. Thank you, Shaf, so much for your time. We actually going to have Ganesh on next month. Well, awesome. Um, so so it's good we weren't bad mouthing him here, but. <laughs> But I uh, really appreciate your time. I, I think you dropped a lot of knowledge bombs that that will be helpful to people. Um, and and so yeah, we'll we'll definitely chat again soon, and we'll probably have to bring you back on at some point. Awesome, man! Thanks so much uh, for having me, and thanks everyone for for tuning in. All right, everyone, we're going to be back with with a webinar on uh, marketing next week. Uh, for those of you guys that are, that are Launchpad members, uh, for those of you guys listening publicly, you can check us out at launchacademy.ca/launchpad. Uh, if you're interested in joining this program. Thank you very much and have a good day. Bye. Cheers.